There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. My name is Dean Kirshner, and I'm part of the Ministry of Gospel Link. As you can tell by the name, Gospel Link is centered on the good news of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done, and what He is doing today. We're going to do something a little different today. Instead of pouring a cup of good news fresh from the spigot, we're going back and find a bottle of clean, fresh, beautiful water. In other words, I'm going to go back into the history of why I serve the Lord Jesus Christ in missions. You see, in 1992, I had an invitation to go to Moscow, Russia, and work with a Christian organization that was working with the Department of Education. We had over a million New Testaments to give away. We had doors wide open for us in school after school after school, not just to come bring American culture and nice character, but to actually tell them who Jesus Christ was. Now we came as an organization under the auspices of we're here to make you successful and to give you precepts and principles in life that will make you successful. We knew that that was a spiritual foundation of faith. And again, not character alone, not good morals. The Soviet Union preached good morals, but without a spiritual foundation, fell. So for a couple years, I had been studying my Russian vocabulary, and I learned how to say trottoir, the sidewalk. I learned how to say marojana, the ice cream. I even learned important words like which means furnished apartment. These weren't my choices. This was a part of my vocab on the cassette player that I was listening to. But I had learned enough. I had learned enough to be able to ask, where was the bathroom? This is a very important phrase, I think, in any culture. Where is the bathroom? So I was very, very much looking forward to talking to people without a translator, using the skill and the homework that I had accumulated over all these years. And believe it or not, it was, as I look at the calendar, 31 years ago this week. I was on a team of 30 people. We had been ushered into this school and I had not had a cup of coffee, as I didn't drink coffee at that time. But water, tea, I don't know, something, I needed to go to the bathroom before the show started. They would usually bring our team into a big auditorium. 
We would sing songs. One or two of us would give a testimony. Sometimes we would go to different classrooms and we would somehow present the gospel and share that we had a great love for the Lord Jesus and a Christian faith. But I had to go to the bathroom. So without getting my translator, I found one of the teachers. And I looked at the teacher and I said, and she looked at me and gave me one Russian word, which fortunately I understood. The word was pachimu. Now, pachimu means why. There's no mistake. There's no context here. I asked for the bathroom and this lady looks at me and says, why? What kind of a question is that? What do you mean? Why do I want the bathroom? Why does anyone want the bathroom? But again, I don't know enough vocabulary to explain, you know, I drank too much. My bladder is full. It's the time of morning where everyone needs to go to the bathroom. I don't know. I, so I just repeat my phrase. I say, And she looks at me quizzically and I can tell she wants to ask again, why? So I think, well, maybe, you know, I have a bad accent. So a third time, she shakes her head and beckons me to follow. So we walk down a hallway, walk upstairs, walk back into what seems to be like a teacher's area. She leads me down the corridor, opens a door, and there stands a sink. There is no toilet. There is nothing except a sink. And I suddenly realize that I have been learning the word for washroom. In Russian, you go to a washroom to wash up. You go to the toilet to, <clears throat> you know, go to the bathroom. I had been asking her or telling her that I needed to go to the washroom. She couldn't understand why. I didn't look dirty. It wasn't time to take a shower. And then she saw that I was <clears throat> a little confused. And so she said, uh, do you mean toilet? She said that in Russian. And toilet sounds a lot like toilet. So I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. Da, da. So fortunately, <clears throat> before it was too late for either of us, I found not only the proper terminology for <clears throat> restroom in Russian, but I also found the toilet. Interestingly enough, that was not my only experience <clears throat> fumbling over the Russian language. We had this great privilege to go to these schools, and afterwards we were able to go to people's homes. And so, again, we're practicing our Russian, learning a few verbs. But on Friday, again, as I look at the calendar, this was 31 years ago this week. It was Friday, and we went to a cooking school. We were told that everyone at this secondary school, it was kind of a high school, was preparing to be a chef. Oh, was I excited. I was so excited. I was going to get a chance to eat Russian caramels or Russian torts or, or different candies. And um, I remember somehow being in one room and four or five of these teenagers came by. They were laughing and talking and I thought, okay, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to try my language. So I looked at them and I said, 
Vsho uvas kuchnes dis, da? Now, they looked at each other, they looked at me, and you think I had said something unbelievably confusing. All I was asking them was, all of you are cooks here, right? Yes. So I repeated it. I could, again, maybe my accent is, is causing me to stumble. So is vas kuchnes dis, da? And they didn't even try to ask pachimu. They didn't even try to uh, ask a question. They just looked at each other with big eyes and tried not to crack up and ran upstairs. And I thought to myself, what did I ask them? What did I ask? I'm sure I was asking them if they were all cooks because I knew the word for cook. I knew the word for you. I knew the word for all. And I knew the word for yes. But after a few minutes, I realized I had got one of the words mixed up. And of course, my grammar was bad. To put it simply, I had looked at these young men and said, all of you are kitchens here, right? And of course, they didn't know that I was trying to say cooks instead of kitchens. And in the Russian language, cook and kitchen is not even close to the similar. So they were confused and um, none of them were kitchens. So they made their way to wherever they were going without answering the dumb American. It was in this school, however, that God not only humbled me and reminded me of the curse of the Tower of Babel, but he reminded me of the blessing and the hunger of people who don't know him. Again, I was so excited to be at this school because I was sure I was going to have cake samples and, and uh, pastry samples. But instead of gathering us all in one room, they had our team, the pink team, all together. And they said, we're going to divide you up and you're going to go to different classes. So I thought, well, okay, that's fine. And immediately this short little guy, he was probably only five foot, maybe five foot two. And in his sixties, he stepped forward and he would speak and talk, and he was very dramatic and animated, and he introduced himself as Albert. Now, Albert was not the director, but it was clear to see, being a man and being elderly, that Albert had a lot of clout. Albert also had a great sense of humor, and every time Albert said something, all the other teachers laughed. Uh, our translator laughed. She didn't translate for us. And so we didn't know what was funny, but I thought to myself, I want to go with this guy. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. We don't have anything prepared for this kind of scenario, but this guy's funny. I'm going to go with him. So I quickly raised my hand and said that I would go with him. And someone had said that he was in charge of cooking class. Now, I've already told you that I've made a mistake with kitchens and cooks and toilets and washrooms. Now, as I walked into Albert's classroom, I realized I have made a mistake, or rather my translator has made a mistake, in what Albert really taught. Albert was not in charge of cooking class. Albert was in charge of culture class. Culture class. In other words, he was the culture teacher for the Soviet Union that had just collapsed a year ago. All one wall of his classroom were covered with banners and pennants 
red stars, hammers and sickles, memorabilia to the great USSR. On another wall, there were pictures of men who were his comrades during World War II. Albert was a World War II veteran. Over in the corner, there was a special memorial for a friend of his, a personal friend who had perished in Afghanistan. I thought to myself, this is a long way from cooking class and we're not in Kansas anymore. We didn't know what to do. I don't think Albert knew what to do. So he commenced to teach class. We took up a seat in the back row and we had another teenager that was helping us translate and Albert began teaching culture class. He got up there and you could tell that uh, he was really giving us propaganda and I looked at the teenagers there and they were kind of bored and rolled their eyes and sort of glanced back at us on the back row. And Albert, he was in full dramatic fashion. He began talking about the great culture of Russia and how cult Russia has had musicians and Russia has had inventors and Russia has had architects. Stalin came and ruined it all. Now, he's telling us all this and the translator is simultaneously trying to t explain what he's saying. Um, and I kind of wondered who had the great privilege to actually get to the cooking class while I'm stuck in culture class and going to be here 45 minutes, you know, listening to this regalia and going to be kind of boring. But I thought, well, maybe after class, we'll have a chance to, you know, distribute some New Testaments or invite some of these young people to our meetings. And um, I'm not really paying attention. I'm just, my mind's kind of looking off. And suddenly our translator said, now we realize we were wrong. Can you please come tell us what you've come to tell us? And I looked at the translator and I thought I had misheard or she had misinterpreted, but I looked up at Albert and he had stepped aside and was nervously wringing his hands, hoping something would happen. We didn't know what was going to happen. I looked at the translator and she said, I, I think he wants you to come up. I think he wants you to say something. Well, I looked at Jim Clank. I looked at Joe Jones. I looked at Liz. I looked at Jamie Witten. I thought, well, wait a minute. I happen to be the oldest person in this group. They knew that. So they looked at me and said, go ahead, Dean, go say something. It's <laughs> like, what am I going to say? This guy's a communist. But you know, the Bible says, be instant, in season, out of season, always ready to spread the word. And I looked at all these teenagers and I didn't want to lose this opportunity. So I went up to the front, took the translator, didn't try any Russian on my own. And I looked at these teenagers and I said, we're here in Moscow because we believe in a God. You see, the Russians were told for 70 years that there's no God because you can't see him. You know, he's not scientific. You can't put him in a laboratory. I said, we believe in God. And even though we don't see him, we know he exists by what he has done in our lives. We believe in the spiritual world. And I didn't exactly want to look at Albert. I didn't want him to go call his KGB friends. So I focused in on these teenagers. And I said, we have come to give Bibles away and to talk to people about spiritual things. If any of you are interested, we would love to talk to you afterwards. Because I know what Albert's giving me. You know, he's giving me sort of a, a little courtesy call. Come make yourself known.
And so uh, I headed back to my seat, and before I got to the back of my seat, Albert came up, and I remember him yelling, Listen to them! They're right! And he held his hands high to the ceiling and said, I will spend the rest of my life searching for this God. And I thought, we're not in Kansas anymore. But I also realized what an opportunity we had if this man was genuine. So I told Albert through my translator, uh, we could share more. Would you like us to share more? And he beckoned us up. Please, please come up. Come up and share more. So I returned to the front of that class, totally unprepared, no notes. But I know the gospel, and I know the Romans road. And that day, that class heard Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10. And we actually had an altar call where people didn't come forward, but I asked them if they were sincere and wanted to ask Jesus to be their Savior, to raise their hand. That day, 31 years ago, was the beginning of a change in my life. I had spent years and years being a Sunday school teacher, doing personal evangelism, witnessing to people that I worked with on the roof, sharing the gospel with people at the construction site. When I sheared sheep, I would try to make Christ known and tell people about the Lord at different farms. And for the first time in my life, I had walked into a culture where people were hungry. Basically, the Russians knew that they had been lied to for 70 years, but they didn't know what the truth was, and they were hungry for it. Not everyone accepted Christ. Not everyone repented, but many did. One of the greatest souvenirs I ever brought back from Russia was a picture that Albert gave me. It's a picture of him and his grandson. In fact, it is the picture here for the icon for this episode. But on the back, he wrote in Russian, My dearest Dean, thank you so much for showing me a way to God. I have been a great communist sinner, but now at last I have found peace for my soul. I will spend the rest of my life telling young people about this God. You know, was that worth it? Was that worth the long winters and being away from home? Believe it or not, that's just the beginning of the story of Albert. We had expected him to come to our meeting at the Department of Education, but he didn't show up. I called him and he didn't return our calls. And you know the parable talks about the man throwing seed on the path and the birds eating it. And I was afraid that I had sown seed for the birds to eat. But what we didn't know is the week after we visited that school, Albert had a massive heart attack. He had been in the hospital for three weeks. But you know, he got out, and eventually he brought a whole bunch of his young people to our meeting. He stood up on stage and led them in singing a song we had give them, given them. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. And the dawning to noonday bright 
After I married my dear Russian wife, Olya, we went again to see Albert, and he again professed his faith, sometimes with tears, thanked me for coming, thanked me for being his friend. Albert is not here now. Albert has gone the way of all men. But I believe that I will see him again one day in heaven. And the experience I had that day enlighten me to realize that there are hundreds and thousands, I would even say millions of people who are wondering if there is a God, who are wondering if there is life after death. There are cultures and nations and people groups who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, who would love to get a Bible. That first missions trip to Russia in 1992 changed my life. I want to be fruitful wherever I am. Today I live in Northwest Georgia and I talk to people at the bank, at the supermarket, at the gas station. But I am involved in overseas foreign missions as much as I can be. I thank the Lord and counted a privilege to work for Gospel Inc. in supporting these national preachers and going over and being a part of their ministries throughout the year because the nations are hungry. The people who have sat in darkness, and sometimes that's the former Soviet Union, some places that's the jungles of Africa, some places that's the communist regions of Southeast Asia, but the people who have sat in darkness are waiting for a great light. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are part of that light. And I pray and I hope that these episodes and my story, my testimony, will motivate you to be involved in reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. You might not be in a position where you could go, but you could support someone to go. You could pray for the people who are there. You could support a national preacher through Gospel Link. The fields are white to harvest, Jesus said. Lift up your eyes. I believe the kingdom is coming. You and I are co-laborers of that kingdom. And that, my friends, is good news.